strip away everything else, start with the customer and the problem that they're trying to solve or the pain they're trying to cure, period. If you can't start there, you're not ready to start yet. You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. So what have you gotten yourself into? In short, it's a good time, great conversation, and a little bit of learning along the way. Through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I get to explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I am here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. My guest today is Meredith Dennis. She is a seasoned fractional marketing professional with an impressive track record of over 16 years in the field of B2B strategy development and execution. Her unwavering dedication to customer-centric approach drives her mission to support startup and small to medium-sized business leaders across North America in effectively positioning, launching, and expanding their range of products and services. To Meredith, the essence of marketing lies in fostering connections and collaborative efforts, all with the ultimate goal of finding innovative solutions to the challenges at hand. So let's get to it. Let's talk marketing, specifically product marketing with Meredith. Meredith, welcome to the Let's Talk Marketing podcast. Very excited to have you on here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I know. I'm excited about the topic. We're going to be talking about product marketing, which I feel like is a confusing one, even in any marketing organization. But before we dive into that, we definitely want to get to know you a little bit better. So let's start off by having you share what your first marketing role was or what you considered a marketing role. Because that's the other thing too. I have found that the categories people put under marketing role has been really interesting. And then we'll follow up with what your current role is. Love to be able to see like the trajectory for all my marketers who are listening. So let's start with what was your first marketing role? Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about which buckets or silos people are choosing to put the various positions in these days. Yes. Because it really is, it is open to interpretation <laughs> for sure, depending on your organization and what you do. What I would consider my very first marketing role actually dates back to probably elementary school or middle school. <laughs> Go back. We'll say in the days of lemonade stands, right? I couldn't do just a regular old lemonade stand. I actually had gotten very into the plastic lanyard making and I had pencil boxes full of these lanyard keychains of all colors and sizes. <laughs> and I was just like, I remember doing pricing research or looking at how much keychains cost at the grocery store and making my $1.25 keychains that I would sell on the playground. Or I remember I got a spot at a local craft fair and I thought, this is incredible. <laughs> but You've made it to the I've big time. It. But the real answer to that <laughs> is when I, right out of college, my first grown-up job right out of college was doing market development and inside sales work for raw materials used in manufacturing of personal care products. Doesn't that sound glamorous? I'm a little jealous. Sounds super sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can read those mile long words on the back of any shampoo bottle and explain to you what it is and what it does. 
then why it's in there? That's the marketing part of it, right? It's the interpretation from one language to the next in so many respects. What are you currently doing now? What's your current role? Yeah. So I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur, but my core focus is being basically a fractional marketing leader. So I drop into startup and and small, medium-sized businesses and help serve that strategic marketing function in a lot of cases from that sort of, we don't know what we don't know perspective or filling a need where they are in a position to hire a full-time person. They don't have the budget to go and hire a full-time marketer, but they need some strategic support. And so that's where I can come in, come alongside them and help them do that. So I really serve as a strategic marketing leader for a number of different organizations. There's never a boring day in marketing, am I right? Not, not a single one, at least not yet. In nearly 20 years of doing this, I haven't had a boring day yet. <laughs> I just feel like it's never going to get boring. So what about what you're currently doing do you love? But conversely, what would you pluck out if you could? And what I mean by that is I love my job. It would be so great if I didn't have to do this one thing and you could just pluck it out. I like to start with the positive. So tell me what you love about what you're currently doing first. Yeah, I love this. I nerd out on marketing. As I'm sure you could, we have the same. We have same. The same, right? um, same. Girl, I started a podcast. That's how much I love it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, there's just there's just so much out there. For me, it's about connecting with people. I think that's the core of it is connecting with people. But where I get super excited is in figuring out how to simplify all the complexity that's out there and ultimately help us solve problems. That's what it all boils down to is if you're not a marketer, you need marketing. It can be extremely overwhelming. You're like, which direction do I go? What metric am I supposed to go chase? All of these different things. And so I love being able to wipe away the complexity, clear it up a little bit and get us focused on the problems we're really trying to solve. Because with that focus, you can give attention. And when you can give attention, you can actually accomplish something. So that for me is really rewarding. That's incredibly satisfying. You and I are of the same mind. That is the part that I love so much too. It's controlling the chaos and it's not as, it's not rocket science, but it's definitely not as hard as people make it out to be. And it's interesting when you have that right person in the seat, how clearly you can make all the ends come together out of that chaos. I'm probably butchering a bunch of analogies, but... You well, get remember, remember as a kid when you would get like those like brightly colored images and if you like crossed your eyes and looked at it, a, an image appeared? Yes. Like that. It's like that. It's <laughs> the best description I can give, at least for our generation, description I can give. That is just such a good callback. I remember when those came out, we would just stand there in the poster store when they had poster stores, which that's a, we'll go down the generation rabbit hole on another podcast, but if that's what you love, totally makes sense. What would you pluck out of it though? The thing for me that, and I run into this all the time, so I've had to develop I had to develop a level of patience for how to deal with it because as much as I would love it to go away, I don't think it's going to. It's this sort of assumption that one size fits all. It's like you hear a marketing campaign, cool, just go draw one up and hand it over to me and we're done and we're on our way. And that that sort of one size fits all mentality or that there is a quick win, that there is a silver bullet, that sort of assumption that that just happens 
is really challenging, especially when you're trying to work with someone who says, I know I need marketing, but I don't know what that means. And helping them see that takes some time to develop and it takes some curiosity and some questioning and some thought. I can't just give you a spreadsheet of tasks and say, here's your marketing plan. I hope it goes well. (laughs) So if we could eliminate all of that assumption going on. Meredith, I think we just became best friends because that also just drives me. It drives me nuts personally to think that there is like that silver bullet or that one metric. We all want to make sales where this is a business regardless of it, but it really does depend. In my opinion, it also depends on the team that you have as well, right? Like their strengths could be in one area, but where you need to, or where you want to take the strategy is in another area. And then there's the in-between. How do I solve for that as well too? So there is no one size fits all. I think there's a lot of, it depends that happens when a CEO will ask a marketer or a VP will ask a marketer, right? Like, hey, what about X, Y, Z? It depends. It almost, I, I don't know. Sometimes I have to battle this feeling like, Maybe I'm, I don't have a concrete idea, but I know that I do have a concrete idea. It truly does depend on so many different variables. Yes, it yeah. depends is my favorite answer. And I often tell you that's <laughs> my problem. And I say, I'm not saying this to be tongue in cheek. I'm not saying this to be snarky. There is an answer, but I have some questions before I can give you a really good answer. Yeah, I have a whole follow-up to <laughs> what you're asking for. I also think like in this industry, especially with digital marketing, just turning marketing upside down completely, content marketing, influencer marketing, it's you have to stay up to date and you have to be part of like social networks. So I'm really curious, do you use any social networks for inspiration, entertainment, or education? And by social networks, I just mean the, I was going to say Twitter, but it's not called Twitter anymore. I keep having to train myself, but is it X? Is it LinkedIn? Is it TikTok or Instagram? Where do you go, if at all, to social networks for inspiration, entertainment, and education? Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to to always be learning and always be always having just a general sense of awareness. I think is extremely important, especially for marketers. It's it is one of the fastest moving, most dynamic functional roles to be in. And so there's always going to be more to uncover, more to learn, and more places you can go. Frankly, I and this will probably date me a little bit. I think last I heard, I'm a geriatric millennial, I think is what they call me. I don't know. Oh my um, God. But, <laughs> excuse me, but I digress. I'm a huge, I'm a huge LinkedIn fan. I am on the platform a lot and mm-hmm. participating in conversations, especially around the product mar- product marketing functional role, because there is so much conversation happening right now. And I really like it from a perspective of shared conversation, shared dialogue, and opinions that you can evaluate for yourself against what others are saying. So from an educational or from a resource perspective, big fan of LinkedIn. In terms of entertainment, I am on Instagram. To me, I would say that I'm an Instagram voyeur. I, I don't do a lot of posting, but I do a lot of participating. And I think that's common for a lot of marketers, right? We do this all day in our real lives. Therefore, when it's off time, 
It's not where I put my energy and it's not where I put my time. But those are LinkedIn for sure, Instagram for sure. Those are probably my top two. And like I said, outside of that, I'm busy doing the work in so many other places. I love that. I think LinkedIn is such an untapped resource for so many people. And I think probably the younger generation as well, too. I think at one point I had worked with a young gentleman who was like, why would I be on LinkedIn? LinkedIn is in the past. And I'm like, no, no, no. If any social network is still, you know, open and on, there are people on there. You just, that's not where your people hang out, but people are pushing out so much information and it is the engagement. I am obsessed with that as well too. Now, outside of social networks, how are you staying up to date on just trends to make sure that you're at the top of your game with every client that you have? Do you have, is there a podcast? Is there a newsletter? Like, how are you staying up to date? Yeah, it's a great question because there's, I would like to say there's like book learning and then there's street smarts and there's two different types of experiences. And I think if I were to look at places where I get the most value is in that and I, I hate using the word networking. That's an icky word. It's not networking for connection's sake. It's really networking to understand where are other marketers finding challenges? Where are they overcoming some of the obstacles that we're facing as a profession? What are we doing to confront and combat uh, perceptions and tools and what it is that we do? So I am a big fan of places like the American Marketing Association, Product Marketing Alliance, which is actually an international organization. These are great sort of points of truth, points of fact, if you will, and are filled with people nationally, locally, internationally. So you can get so many different perspectives. And I think that's what leads to learning is when you have these different perspectives. If you're hearing all the same thing all the time, you're not really learning anything new. And so I found great advantage there. Love podcasts. I listen to probably more than I should. I have an audio log of how to listen to this, how to listen to this, how to listen to this. I love the episode you did with Joe Bluzy. That was Joe Bluzy. I love his newsletter. So it's things like that, right? You listen to things that you align with, but I think it is especially important to keep your scope broad enough that you're absorbing new things and new thoughts and new concepts. Absolutely. And I don't know if you're of this opinion, but I certainly am. I think marketing is an incredibly creative career. Like it's not, I don't have a paintbrush in my hands, but I definitely have to be creative with solving the challenges, right? Because they're all slightly different and you cannot attack every challenge in the same way. Even if you're using the same tool, right? The ad is going to be different. That's actually probably the best example, right? If you're doing a paid social ad, yeah, you can see some success, but at some point that is going to die out or you want to be able to test other things out. How does this go? Can I use it for a product launch? If I do, what are the variety of ways that I can use it? And this was effective here. What's that feedback? So I, I feel like it's such a creative endeavor. I love the advice of keeping it wide open to receiving as much information from different perspectives because that is definitely where you learn. Take what works for you and leave the rest. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You don't have to love all the things. I think that we should probably dispel that. Like I, even with this podcast, I'm like, I just want everybody to walk away with one sort of insight that 
either inspires or they can implement in their next execution of a campaign or that just makes them maybe think of like a career change, which is why I always ask the first where you started to where you're at now, because there's so many different niches that you can go into with marketing, which I think is a perfect segue to let's start talking about strategy. Let's start talking about product marketing. This is going to sound super basic, but I like to define concepts that people think are, oh, I know what that is. But before we dive into even the strategy portion of it, I'd love for you to just define what is product marketing. And if not that, then what is not product marketing? Like sometimes I feel like people go into it thinking, oh, product marketing is this. And maybe you have this list of, these are all the things that product marketing is not. Define product marketing for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the question because Google can give you an answer. You can get in the textbook definition of what product marketing is and means. And that's all well and good. And then there's what really happens. And I think we've all had that experience in any marketing yes. role. It's like the, it's the asterisk other duties as a sign. And so when I think about product marketing in particular, I think it is really important to remember that it is not content marketing, it is not advertising, it is not, it's not just about going to market. Product marketing is, in my opinion, for what that's worth, the most cross-functional, perhaps strategic role in today's modern marketing org structure. Product marketing to me is the ultimate communicator the ultimate problem solver, and the ultimate interpreter because of the number of responsibilities that live with the function. And I think a lot of things in the profession today, again, product marketing in and of itself is not new. It's been around for years and years. It's not like it just showed up on the scene. However, it has gained this tremendous popularity and this tremendous sort of swell of enthusiasm because of SaaS, right? Like we suddenly started selling SaaS product and all of a sudden product marketing became the thing. And I think it is extremely important to remember that product marketing as a function has existed for quite some time. The evolution of it and the, I don't even want to say popularity, the exposure of it, if you will, has certainly shifted and it has come into the limelight. And I think it's going to continue to be the thing that we as marketers talk about for a long time because it has such a cross-functional requirement in an organization where it, it demands that you break down your silos. It demands that you care about your customer and it demands that you understand how to solve problems which is very different than the old school textbook being a marketer and what that might've meant for like the Mad Men era of advertising. Uh -huh. Now, I hear what you're saying that product marketing is a cross-departmental function. And most of the time it sits in marketing. Sometimes I know that it sits on the product team as well too. I'm wondering, how do you not butt heads with the marketing team because it is so cross-functional. Because I've seen that kind of executed poorly. I've also seen it executed 
really successfully. So I'm really curious, like, how do you not butt heads with the content team if it's not content, but you're also creating content? Share a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a great perspective. And I think it is, I've seen it happen so many times in an organization where there's a it's not us versus them, but that's my job. That's what I do. And I, I want that. It's that protecting what they do. And I think one of the biggest things that has to happen is it's not a top-down mandate kind of thing, but there does have to be this sense of shared accountability and shared responsibility. I'll go back to collaboration being incredibly important. And I think one of the best ways to help overcome some of that headbutting or us versus feeling is to ask a lot of questions. I find that especially when I come in as a product marketer to work with a marketing team where I'm not sitting in their silo or in their group, the best way to tear down some of that fear or some of that anxiety is to ask a lot of questions so that you can really seek to understand what is it that they are facing challenges with. What is it that they wish they had more of, right? We all want to grow our businesses. We all want to grow professionally. Well, most of us do. We all want to make progress, right? And if, if you can come in with an amount of humility or a little you know, being humble to say, look, we all we want to make this work. And I want to make sure that I understand how I can best support you and your team and your goals. That, that sort of understanding what they need to accomplish too and how you can help them succeed in their goals by what you bring makes a big difference in helping to establish that sort of sense of camaraderie and that I'm not trying to take something from you. I'm not yeah. trying to be better than you. I'm trying to bring you something to help you do more and be better in your current seat. And so that's, to me, that's been the biggest thing is when you can come in from a, I just want to understand, help me understand you. And then we can work together to fill in those gaps. And that takes away some of that pressure. Yeah. To me, it sounds like you're saying that you go in and you level the playing fields. We've all got this one goal that we're trying to reach. This is the part that I can do really well. What are your parts? What are your gaps? How can we complete the circle with all of us in it? Not just me, not just you. All of us in it can complete the circle. To me, like the epitome of working smarter, not harder. Now, we have discussed that product marketing is cross-collaborative, that it also serves so many different functions with being able to talk with the customer. Go-to-market is the big one, I feel like, when I look at job descriptions, when I talk to other product marketers, or when I talk to senior executives, they're like, what's the go-to-market plan? What's the go-to-market plan? It almost seems like that's where so much of the emphasis of a product marketer is placed, is put together the go-to-market plan so we can take this product to, I was going to say to public, but you don't want to, you're picking up what I'm putting down, right? Like to market. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Yeah, we want to take this product to market. So what's the plan? Do you also feel that same way? What is that, the product marketing function breakdown? And what part do you think needs the most product marketing help? Yeah, you make a really good point, especially from a leadership perspective, from a C-suite perspective, like product marketing, that's my go-to-market. That's my, how am I going to go out and sell? That's probably the broadest brush stroke that you can give it. <laughs> and I, I do not want to downplay the importance of what a solid go-to-market plan 
is, and it is absolutely a tremendous amount of the product marketing function and responsibility. I think underneath what a go-to-market plan is, is all of the other parts of the job. So to be able to do a really effective go-to-market plan that is thoughtful and strategic and growth-oriented, you have to have a lot of other things happening. You have to be really in tune with your customers. So you have to be sitting with customer experience or customer service. You have to have interviews with lost customers, with one customers. You have to be embedded with your sales org to understand objections and pain points. You have to be really attuned to the competitive landscape. Who else is out there doing what you're doing? Because it's unique to truly be a category creator. Nine times out of 10, you are going to market with something that's going to compete with an existing offering. So you have to really know your competition so you can differentiate. Those in and of themselves, depending on the size of your organization, could be their own role. Competitive landscape analysis and customer experience and sales enablement. Those are all critical parts of effective product marketing. And they all feed into what go-to-market strategy should be. And go-to-market doesn't necessarily mean what you have is brand new. You may be repositioning it, or you may be unveiling it in a new way with a new perspective. So I think getting clear on what you mean by go-to-market, is it brand new, nobody's ever seen it before? Is it the same thing with a refreshed look and feel? Is it the same thing, but for a completely different set of problems that we didn't realize it could solve? So there's some interesting things there to have a discussion about. Do you find that just based on how you laid that all out, do you find that you as a product marketer end up creating tiers before all of the different types of go-to-market plans? And if so, do you think tiers are an effective way to communicate to the rest of the marketing org? Like, all right, this is tier one go-to-market plan for XYZ. And then therefore the marketing team knows exactly what that means. Or maybe you don't use tiers at all. I don't know. Depending on the size of the company, yes. I think tiers can be extremely valuable in a moderate to large size organization because it does help determine focus. It is not uncommon to have a lot of moving launches and moving phases in different places over the course of time. It'd be great to say that you have one go-to-market plan for the whole year and you're just going to nail it and it's going to be done and great and wonderful. That's not reality. You're going to have all kinds of things at all kinds of different phases at all different times. So tiering can absolutely be great for establishing priority and shared accountability and where to place emphasis on time and spend. In smaller organizations where you have either smaller teams or frankly are in a different phase of your growth cycle, if you're a new startup, your whole marketing experience may be focused solely on how to get into market and how to position yourself to win. In that structure, tiers aren't going to matter. You just have to get into market. You have to learn while you get into market. I think it's not an either or, but I think it is better suited for established organizations as opposed to startup or perhaps repositioning orgs. That makes a ton of sense. 
Now, one of the things that I, this is my belief, right? And you've touched on it as well too, is that product marketing knows the ins and outs of the product or whatever positioning is in place, right? To me, it's, to me, I've always viewed product marketing as the one that develops the language of how we speak about the products that we are going to market with. But part of that challenge is educating everyone internally on how to speak out. So do you have advice on the best way to, I really, it's the enablement piece, I guess, is more of what I'm getting at, right? Like, how do you enable the go-to-market teams to take it to market? I've been part of tons of databases, which require a lot of people to read a lot of information. And then there's like a, a weekly or a bi-weekly and that, but like you want them to absorb it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on effective enablement strategies within product marketing to get all of the go-to-market teams just on the same page with like, hey, this is where we're at. Yeah, it's a great question. And one of the things that I see happen a lot of times is either this analysis paralysis of lots of meetings with everybody or a library of one pagers that you send out and hope people look at. Yeah. (laughs) They cues the whole nine yards. Right. Your sales team is not going to take time to read all those FAQs and all of your one pagers and nobody wants to be in any more meetings. I think the reality and the real answer is somewhere in between. But in terms of really empowering them with the information they need to be successful, really do bring it back to the communication and collaboration that product marketers need to facilitate. I really think that it's not a glamorous part of the job, but it is incredibly important to be an over-communicator. You really have to be extremely transparent and you have to over-communicate. Just like in marketing, we know we've got to hear the same message 15 times before it lands and resonates. Same is true for when you're doing some of the training and enablement within your own organization. They have to see it, feel it, be exposed to it more than one way. And yes, there's some meeting. Yes, there's some training. Yes, there's some documentation. And I think it is the mix of all of them that helps you truly succeed. But you can't do any of that until you understand what they need which is why I will come back to what I said earlier about asking a lot of questions. So I like that. You know, when I'm when I'm talking with a sales team, it's like what are the objections you're hearing the most from customers? What do we need to help you overcome? That's the thing I want to focus on solving because that's going to help them see the most success the most quickly, most quick Quickly, quicker. Listen, I've made up all sorts of words throughout the podcast, so don't worry about it. If you can help them solve their biggest problem first, one, it builds trust really quickly. So they're more likely to hear what you say again in the future. But if it helps them solve their problem, it's going to help them succeed. And then you can pivot to helping other teams with what they're focused on. So it really does come back to that asking a lot of questions, being able to respond in kind. It's so funny you say that. And as you're saying it, I'm thinking that sounds very much so like the content marketing strategy I've implemented as well too, where you are, you have to ask a ton of questions to really understand the position. But I think good content marketing, product marketing, working together, to me, the line has always been, you talk about the products and then add all the different colors to it from like a content marketing perspective. There's so much to be able to put out there that I think you do need a strong product marketing and content marketing person to be working together or 
teams, I should say, to be working together to have a really effective just marketing team in general, too. We all want to be able to work well together. Everybody yeah, I should play that. I love that because there's a lot of power in a product marketer being able to take the positioning strategy and the storytelling themes that they've come up yeah. with and take that to a content marketing team and say, apply all of the beautiful language that is going to make this resonate emotionally with our customers. <laughs> yes. I don't yeah. want to do that as a product marketer all the time. I think it's a great place to pass the baton, right? And maybe it is that in marketing, we are all, I don't want to say starving, but there is so much pressure to chase attribution and say, what I'm doing, it does make a difference to the overall marketing. It's not the last touch. It's I think that I'm always looking for multi-attribution model for everything inside of marketing so that we understand at what point is product marketing effective, content marketing, influence marketing, growth, all of the quote-unquote marketing-isms underneath a marketing organization. I love everything that you've said about product marketing as well, too. This is why I was so excited for us to talk about it. I'd love it if you could leave our listeners with some like some tips on how to create an effective go-to-market strategy based on all the things that we talked about and anything else you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm going to build on what you were saying about the metrics, right? There are any number of KPIs, OKRs, numbers. And I, I had an interesting conversation last month with someone about being a metrics chaser, like the numbers for the sake of the numbers. And sometimes that makes you forget about what it is that you're doing. You're so focused on trying to get to the number or to the target, you forgot about all the things in between that make that a reality. And I think that actually leads me to what I would say is my first tip is, at least from a product marketing perspective, Start with the customer forever and always. Start with the customer. Love it's not it. about you. It's not about your product. It's not about your company. It's about the customer, first and foremost. Strip away everything else. Start with the customer and the problem that they're trying to solve or the pain they're trying to cure, period. If you can't start there, you're not ready to start yet. Mm, love that. Yeah. It's a tough one for people to understand sometimes. <laughs> they're like, my product is amazing. I built it. They're going to flock to me. <laughs> then everyone should be reading Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, because it is the why that it is the bait. I reread it again recently and I'm like, that's exactly right. Like you cannot, why would anybody care? Why would anybody care about me? I have to make it about them. And that's where like the storytelling aspect, which is so many different conversations I have in regards to marketing feels like such a buzzword, but it is also true. You have to emotionally connect because at the end of the day, people are people and we market to people. Yes, there's businesses, but there are people behind those businesses. And that's something that you have to keep in mind. Did you have another tip to share? I didn't I want do. to cut you off. I, I could rattle off all kinds, but yes, that start with the customer. And I think you made an excellent point that it is human beings making these decisions. I don't care if you work in B2C or B2B. It's still a human being making a choice, making a decision. I think the second tip is don't rush it ever. These processes are too important and we feel an immense amount of pressure to go fast and get it done and immediately da, 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 like we start on this hamster wheel and it just gains this momentum and before we know it we're playing whack-a-mole don't rush it give yourself the moment to really do this well because there is something to be said for failing fast and learning from it 
But in something as substantial as launching your product or launching your service or going to market with something new, those can be extremely difficult to recover from if you fall too on your face too hard. That's great advice. And I almost feel a little controversial because there is this part of, it's almost like you have to balance the patience with also, but don't, patience is a perfectionism. I guess that's more what I'm leaning towards, right? A perfectionist thinks that they're being patient because they want to get it all right. But at some point you do have to let that, let your product, your baby out into the world and understand that you're going to get feedback from there. So there's a nice balance between patience and perfectionism. I love that. You got one more for me? I'll give you, I'll give you three. There's magic in threes, right? There's good things come in threes. There is magic in threes. I read that somewhere. Maybe I listened to it. I'm sure I just saw it on TikTok. All of my knowledge now is on TikTok. Just kidding. Right. <laughs> yes, I do. All good things come in threes. I think the last piece of advice I would give is probably around, and maybe this this may be counterintuitive. They'll leave you thinking about it. Keep your circle small. We spent a lot of time talking about collaboration and communication and transparency, right? If you are in a position where you need to implement a strategy, if you put yourself in a place where it's decision by committee, you're going to have too many cooks in your kitchen and you're going to have a very diluted version of what you want to be going to market with. So be very mindful and very conscientious of the decision makers that are a part of the process and a part of the experience. Communicate out to keep people informed. But when it comes to the decision making and the execution, be very precise in who is a part of that group so that you don't dilute what it is that you're trying to develop, implement, and launch. I am obsessed with that last tip. And I also think like that can be said about so many different areas of marketing as well too. Because if you let people introduce their thoughts and opinions, then you're going to get a lot of thoughts and opinions. And they're not, before you know it, you have, it feels like everyone's thoughts and opinions and no direction to go. So that's really great advice. You've given so much of your time. I have one final question for you. If you knew then what you know now, what is the marketing advice that you give to yourself? The marketing advice I'm giving to myself, like 20 years ago or? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, oh, goodness. yeah. We all have those moments where like, oh, had I known, yeah, I would have done X, Y, Z differently. Yeah. If I could sit down with past me and have coffee or a matcha or whatever the drink of the moment is, pumpkin spice, everything season is here. So it'd be a pumpkin spice latte. This is... This will sound very philosophical, but it has it rings really true. Don't be so afraid. The best advice that I could give past me is don't be so afraid. Just go for it. I love that. Raise your hand, speak your mind, have an opinion. Don't look back on things and go, man, I wish I would have, or I should have. Or if you're in the room, use your voice and, and feel empowered to do that, even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah, especially if it's uncomfortable. I always say you have to be a little bit uncomfortable. If you're not a little bit uncomfortable, then you are not pushing yourself to be the best version of yourself. You're in your comfort zone and there's a time and a place for it. But man, I love that advice. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Bet on yourself. Bet. You're betting on yourself at the end of the day. So don't let fear in. That's fantastic. Merida, thank you so much for coming on here, sharing all of your wisdom, dropping knowledge bombs on everybody. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. I, I really appreciate getting to have a conversation with you. It's been awesome. All right. My favorite part of the episode, or one of my favorite parts of the episode, is really taking the key takeaways from what we chatted about. Now, the topic today was product marketing. So I have a sweet spot in my heart and soul for product marketing. I think sometimes it's a little undervalued and so necessary for successful product launches. Now, my first key takeaway is that product marketing is cross-functional and it really requires a deep understanding of customers, an emphasis on the deep understanding of customers. I love that the product marketing's role is being the person on the marketing team and sometimes on the product team who really understands and wants to solve customer problems. I think we all want to solve customer problems, but they really have to wear that hat and have that mindset. And I think for me that this is such a key takeaway because oftentimes product marketing is seen as more of just sales enablement and content creation. It really is strategic and cross-functional and it requires effective communication, problem solving, and interpretation. It is taking that technical language from the product managers and translating it to a more we'll call it universal language, you know? It's not deep in the weeds of technical jargon. And the key advice from Meredith in this is to really start with a clear understanding of your customer needs and be mindful of their decision-making process. Keep your messaging precise and really don't dilute it. Key takeaway number two, successful product marketing is about collaboration and effective communication. Communication is key. Product marketing is so heavily involved into the go-to-market strategy of products and in go-to-market plans that it really involves everyone in the organization. So really being able to listen and not just hear the words about the product is really key. So I'm going to go deep on you here. Simon Sinek said once, and this is obviously not verbatim, so I am interpreting his words. But he said once that listening is not just hearing the words, it's understanding the meaning of what is being conveyed by the words. That may sound a little too deep. Like I said, I had warned you when we're talking about product marketing, but it is so true. So much of marketing is listening kind of in between the lines and understanding what that means. What are they not saying? What they're not saying is just as important. And while my key takeaway is about communication, really the most effective communication comes from doing more listening and knowing the right words to use when you choose to speak. And my final takeaway, product marketing is customer centric. I am going to just rip off a direct quote for this key takeaway because I think that it really speaks volumes. Meredith said, start with the customer forever and always. Start with the customer. It's not about you. It's not about your product. It's not about your company. It's about the customer first and foremost. I don't really need to elaborate on that one. The point is really clear, but it's often forgotten, which is why I really wanted to focus on our quote there. What did you take away from this episode? Connect with me on LinkedIn and share. You can find me by looking me up, Katya Allison. Subscribe and follow on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thank you to my podcast producers, the amazing team at Content Allies, and check out the episode page to learn more about Meredith. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, 
and the outlook remain optimistic, but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off. Thank you.